but we're considering the fact that Jesus spoke to his disciples. Um, I'm jumping ahead, aren't I, Gillian? If I have the app, um, yeah, let's go back to that. Thank you. If you have your Bibles there, you might look up Acts chapter 1. We're just going to read the first 11 verses. If not, you can follow along on the screen. This is predominantly where we'll be looking at the scriptures today. I'm going to read one verse, then you can read the next verse. How's that? This is what uh, Paul writes in the in the book of Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. You want me to do it? Okay. There. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 One, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. of the earth. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. We'll come back same way you have sent him, seen, seen him go into heaven. Okay, I'll have to adjust my verses now. Can I do that? We'll get there. So we're looking at, there we are, Jesus of Nazareth. This um, series has been put together by Carl Face and Olive Tree Media. And uh, as we were, Jeff and I were praying at the beginning of the year, we did this, the Game Changer series one last year. It was really well received both in home groups and in, in the messages. So we're looking at Jesus the Game Changer 2 with a focus on the gospel going to the ends of the earth and how we're involved in that. And also it's going to be a little bit of a church history series. Now, every, don't, don't switch off. When I say history, don't switch off. Uh, we're going to be looking at modern church history. So from the time of Jesus through to today and how the gospel has impacted nations and peoples around our world and how it continues to do so when hearts are here. So my hope is, and my prayer is, that as we listen to what Jesus says, and as we see the impact of the gospel through the scriptures, we'll see it in our own communities and in nations that we're praying for. Did you ever realise that last words are important? Did you realise that those were the last words of Jesus? Those were the last words he spoke to his disciples before he left this earth to be with the Father and before he sent the promised Holy Spirit. The last words of Jesus. It's just clicked off there, yeah? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Pretty well the message is based on this verse. And I pray 
that we will listen individually to the last words of Jesus to our hearts and see what God speaks to us. There have been many famous last words of people over the years, but, you know, as I was doing some research this week, there's been a lot of foolish last words of Jesus. One guy, I can't remember his name, he said something like, well, I don't really believe in death, and then he died. And to me, when I was doing some of this research, I I thought, the last words are not necessarily the most important ones. They are of Jesus, okay, spot that. But for many people, the way they lived lived their life was the most important. The way they impacted people around about them was the most important. But Jesus here, in these last words, gives us a demonstration of what what the disciples' priorities, their values, their, their energies need to be put into in the coming days when Jesus is no longer with them. He tells them that they are to go and to tell the story, to be his witnesses, to give their testimony to what they have seen and heard. Now, we know that it's not always easy to remember. And as we get older and more gray-haired, we often forget things easier. Is that true? Sorry if you have some red hair. But what Jesus was asking them to do was to tell people what they had seen and heard of him. But he wasn't leaving them on their own. He was giving them the promised Holy Spirit to be their guide, their encourage, their teacher. But the most important part of this was that it had to go to the ends of the earth. Had, the message had to go to the ends of the ends of the earth. So the first thing this morning I want us to consider is that Jesus asked them to be his witnesses. We know what it's like to be a witness, don't we? We tell what we saw, if we can remember what we saw. And... Uh, Sometimes we remember different things, don't we? Sometimes we remember the colours, or sometimes we remember the words, or sometimes we remember the faces, or sometimes we remember the vehicles. But police are wonderful, and I really respect that. I really respect them in that they get all the eyewitnesses' story together and give us a big picture of a situation, uh, a crime, or, or something like that. So Jesus wants people, his disciples, and us be his witnesses. What can we tell people about Jesus? We can tell them what we know and what we've experienced in our lives individually. It may be different for them, but we can tell them that this is what Jesus wants for us. Uh, N.T. Wright, a Bible scholar from the last century, he sounds strange to say last century for a lot of these Bible scholars, doesn't it? But he says this, many people today assume that Christianity is one or more of these things. A religion, a moral system, a philosophy. In other words, they assume that oops, sorry, something has happened as a result of as a result of which the world is a different place. Would you agree? Because Jesus came, the world is a different place. Would you agree? I think so. He goes on to say, Oh, I've missed it. That's right, I'll come back to it. And the reality of Jesus being in this world is that he brought good news with him. He brought good, good news, not necessarily good advice, although lots of things he had to say were great advice if you put him in the right place. Christianity is not a 12-step program. If you follow this and this and this and this, it will give you success at the end. Christianity is about knowing Jesus, being a witness for him, knowing that this is the way he lived and acted 
and focus on how we live out that in our lives. The gospel is good news. The gospel is a world-shaping event. It is God breaking into history into people's lives. And uh, Mark confirms that in his gospel when he says this, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It was a breaking into the history of the Jews to tell them that the Messiah has come, the good news that God has come. I wonder, are we witnesses to that? Do we talk about that with people, that, that believing in Jesus and knowing Jesus is good news? I hope it's good news for us, and it could be good news for others as well. Mark was describing that that God, the creator of the universe, moved into the neighbourhood, so the Message Bible says. That God broke into human history. He moved into the neighbourhood as a, a tangible, real, relatable person. And the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, he, and because of that, he began a new, a new thing, a new reality, a new lifestyle. That people can say, yes, indeed, that's what I want. That's what the gospel is about. So... Jesus is asking his disciples in that verse to be his witnesses, to tell other people about him, what he's done, what he taught, the miracles that he did, his value of individuals to the point where he went to the cross for every person who has disobeyed God. That's what he asked them to do, his witnesses to. That's what he asked for us too. The second part of Jesus' last words in that verse is that he promised that he wouldn't let them do it on their own. He promised that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've looked into the history of some of these people that were the disciples, but they weren't the most impressive bunch, were they? You know, they, uh, Peter and John were described later on in Acts chapter 4 as uneducated and ordinary men. Anybody fall into that category here today? that way about ourselves they were ordinary men and the first comment about them was pretty awful wasn't it? it was pretty scathing yet they were men that walked with Jesus they listened to Jesus they saw Jesus in action and they were empowered by God's Holy Spirit so God took ordinary men and did extraordinary things with them enabled them to speak out of the good news of Jesus and to tell others what they'd experienced that others might make up their own minds. Do we do that today? We might think of ourselves as not that well organised or, or, or educated and, and ordinary men, but we tell people of our life experience every day. Uh, anybody, maybe I'd better not get people to confess to this, but anybody a social media uh, nerd? You know, you're, you're putting what meal you had that day on Facebook or something like that? Don't go there. But we are telling people what we're thinking about things. Uh, we might be writing a blog about a certain subject. We might be getting onto somebody else's discussion group about a certain subject. And we're telling people what we think, and what we've seen, and what we understand. Why aren't we doing that about Jesus? That's what we've been asking for. Maybe we are. Praise the Lord if we are. Uh, one other Bible scholar, Alexander McLaren, said these words. And I like Alexander McLaren because he's Scottish, I think. Uh, I'm just calling on my Scottish heritage there. He said this, 
these 11 poor men were not left by their master with a hard task and with no help. He bade them wait for the promised Holy Spirit, the coming of whom they had heard from him when in the upper room he spoke to them of the Comforter. So they weren't, he wasn't leaving them on their own. He goes on. The order in which promise and command occur here shows how graciously Jesus considered the apostles' weakness. Not a word does he say of their task of witnessing until he has filled their hearts with the promise of the Spirit. He shows them the armour of power of which they are to be clothed before he points them to the battle plan. Is that interesting? He says, here's the one that's going to be your protection. Here's the one that's going to be your guide. Here's the one that's going to be your comforter. There's the job ahead. Here's the problem. Does that get for us too? If we're to declare about Jesus to someone, God is with us, Holy Spirit, he's often gone ahead of us preparing the heart or the ears or the mind of the person that we're going to share with. We can trust in him to do that. In fact, Jesus' last words in this verse 8 of chapter 1 are like a watershed or a guiding principle for the rest of the book of Acts. So from here, the uh, disciples and the apostles take the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Where to? Where did they go to? Do you remember the, what the scriptures say? Jerusalem? Judea? Samaria? And to the uttermost parts of the earth, the ends of the earth. And so it's, a, it's something that we need to grasp. Is that what God's asking us to do? But just as the words of that song said, it might be our neighbour next door is hurting right now. But God asks us to be witnesses to him empowered by his Holy Spirit. This was a new thing. This was a new lifestyle. It wasn't just for the Jews. The Jesus breaking into the world wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the whole earth. If you remember some of your Old Testament study, when God gave Abraham a promise, it was not just for the Jewish people, but the blessing would be for the whole world. When we look at the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 7, what do we see there? We see men, a people from every tribe and nation and tongue and language before the throne of God. So the event of Jesus coming wasn't just for the Jews, it was for the whole world, for all the nations. And this was different. This was different for them to sit up and take notice. So Jesus' last words were a a pivotal moment in the scripture. He instructs his disciples to go and tell or be his witnesses. What happens? Here's in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people in one day came to faith, faith in Christ. Why? Because they heard the message of Jesus in their own language. By Acts 10, we're told that a Gentile, Cornelius, who was a God-fearer, came to faith through inclusion of the Gentiles into that faith in Jesus. God has a plan. His promises, his prophecies are fulfilled when his people, empowered by the Spirit, go to the nations. What was their message? What did they take? They took the message that Jesus gave them. The kingdom is near. The kingdom has come. 
repent and believe the good news of what Mark wrote, of what Jesus wrote. Jesus invited people to embrace this new way of thinking, this new lifestyle, and to see the difference that God would make. Another Bible scholar that I've read over the years, a guy by the name of Dallas Willard, says this. He says that repentance is not beating your head on the floor or feeling bad about your sins. It's to rethink your thinking so as to change the way you've been thinking and acting. We repent or change the way we've been thinking and acting in the light of God's good news. That's what repentance is. How does the gospel change things? I could probably get everyone here to tell me of one thing that's changed in their lives or become a reality in life because we know Jesus. But he changes things significantly. Certainly in the book of Acts, we know in the last part of chapter 2, we're told that they did these things which were quite different, the Jews of the day. They gathered regularly to pray. They gathered regularly to worship and to learn in their own home. They sold their possessions and had everything in common. They shared with those who had need and they welcomed strangers. They practiced forgiveness and approached leadership, conflict and other social duties differently to what they had been doing. The attitude of the day was dog eat dog. Certainly with the Roman influence, if you got on well with the Romans, then you could go up the social ladder. And it wasn't one of care and love and forgiveness and all that sort of thing. So this good news event, this good news story changed the culture of the day for those that accepted it and lived it out. It changes the way we live today when we are witnesses of Christ. How does it change? One of the um, researchers, social researchers in Australia, Roy Morgan Associates, found out a, a year or so ago what most Australians had concerns about. Most Australians had these concerns. Oops, sorry, here we are. 46% were concerned about the environment and they listed it as the biggest problem that the world's facing. 21% mentioned their struggle with economic factors and the poverty gap. 11% said the breakdown in families and morality were the biggest things that were being faced in society. I think we've seen all those things, haven't we, of recent days? You take away that solid foundation of God's plan for this world and those things will happen. Friends, there are marriages breaking down in our Christian communities today because people have taken their eyes off Jesus and it's become a me society. Somehow, our responsibility in obeying Jesus' commands to go to the ends of the earth is to see real change happen in our society. It could be that as, uh, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we bring a new appreciation of the environment into our lifestyle. At the beginning of the Bible, mankind was given the role of being responsible for a creation. And uh, there are still people out there that are, are keen for that. And I think that uh, a lot of people have lost that and become abusers of our creation. But as Christians, we need to understand that the, the, the role that God has given to us is to be a steward of his creation. There are people facing economic difficulties and, uh, and, and, and poverty difficulties and, and we have the opportunity as a church to give into those difficult times and help people. And we do that 
we've been able to assist people over the years with, with minor accounts and, and uh, that they've been able to help pay those minor accounts or for major operations and things like that. We've given generously as God's people because we follow Jesus. As a church, we can redefine or re, re, um, reinforce God's opinion on marriage and the family and belonging and make it a place of welcome and forgiveness and acceptance when people in times of loneliness or isolation or they're facing difficulty in those family breakdowns. We can be the pillar, the salt and the light of the earth as God's people. When we point people to healthy marriages, we point people to God's design. Can you imagine if the leaders in our community were in a place where they didn't get there for their own agenda, but they went, went there into those leadership roles and political roles to work together to do what God wanted for this community. Would that make a difference? Yes, it would. And we should be praying that way for our leaders. That song that we sang earlier, or that was played for us earlier, not the, uh, not the um, kids song, the other one, even though they were both good, they were both good, but uh, that second song had some words in it that went like this. The healing of the nations, for the garden's been restored. Every curse is broken, for the lamb sits on the throne. Every tear is wiped away in joy forevermore, and every voice will shout in praise, Jesus Christ is Lord. Is that what you're looking forward to? Amen. No more suffering, no more tears, no more sin. A place where all honour Jesus. It's coming. And if you... Look at some of the things that have been published recently. A lot of people think it's coming sooner rather than later. This is the picture that Revelation gives us. This is what the Holy Spirit wants us to witness towards. That place where God, where the Lord Jesus sits on the throne. That's the good news. I wonder, is this what you were witnessing to when you were talking with your friends? I want to invite you over the coming weeks to come on a journey. Like I said, we're going to look at it church history and that's not boring because God does some exciting things throughout the history of this church. I want you to rethink what your reality is, what your lifestyle is. Is it a Jesus witnessing lifestyle? I hope that you'll be encouraged to change the way you think and ultimately change the way others think when they look at your life as you follow Jesus. For some it will be an invitation for the first time to come and see the difference that Jesus made. For others, it will be a confirmation of what we know to be true and the authority that we have to speak out for Jesus. I wonder, will you join me on the journey in these coming weeks? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus gave clear directions to his disciples that day. He told them to go to the ends of the earth and to take the witness, the story, their story of knowing Jesus with them. Father, I pray that you'll give us opportunity to share our story of knowing Jesus with anybody who's journeying, listening to us. Lord, we look for those opportunities day by day and pray that hearts would be prepared. We pray that you'll draw people to yourself. Lord Jesus, you said that when I'm lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. We pray that in our conversations, in our family lifestyle, in our jobs, we will lift the name of Jesus up. And you'll draw people to yourself. Lord, we look forward to the journey. Uh, Refresh us as your witnesses in the coming days. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dave.